Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right. That was us, Damien, Chris, Chris, and Damien. <laughs> so now we're back. Yes, this is us. That we're, was us. This is us. We are months here in world yeah. separated from where we were last. Yeah, I'm pretty much the same. You're the one who's. <laughs> well, I was going to say. I think you might. You said though you've recorded in a slightly different area of your place than you record normally, right? It's true. Yeah, it so, is. I'm trying so, to test out some new. Uh, Seeing the feng shui of different locations and seeing what it uh, what it does for the content. Well, now we are uh, we are back, of course, and uh, yeah. First of all, uh, thank you uh, everyone for uh, supporting this show and listening. Everyone I met, you know, I met people that listen to footnotes, Chris, even at wrestling, far removed from the world of punk. I. I would be lying if I didn't also say that I've had, and you know, a lot of the people I was encountering, especially over the last week um, or weekend specifically, because there was a festival in Toronto that I go to every year. You can name but, it um, the festival. Yeah, I, I did get the show. Well, whatever. Not not. Yeah, like not dead yet. Every year in Toronto, I was at so, um, and I did run into many people there who did uh, bring it up to me too, and so it's you know. Yeah, I, it's funny, and we've gotten some communication. I guess we should sort of make sure to, to highlight that. Is we, we did have a few people write in and, and kind of inquire as to like, <laughs> not like what was going on, but almost like a, with like a, the tone was like a mild fear that it would never uh, yeah. like happen again or something. Yeah. I, I was never in fear of that. I knew you were very busy, and I figured even if it took even longer I, I would imagine that eventually we would have done something so just uh you know obviously these people will be listening but you know just to set them at ease yeah it's not uh it was just a matter of scheduling and, and that was about it yeah it was very hard for kind of uh the past few months just to kind of pin down any time to record anything i found so unfortunately yeah. you know chris also you know like started a new new job and was kind of like busy too right so for yeah, both yeah of for us, sure it kind of it, yeah. it was hard but i think we're going to figure out a way to get back on track now that i'm around a little bit more and we will definitely hopefully get this back on schedule because i missed recording it buddy yeah it's fun i there was what i noticed more than anything is in the absence because it was about two months or, or maybe even a little more technically it's been two months i i figured since we last recorded but I think like the overall span was probably closer to three, maybe even a little more. So um, when you look at uh, seeing the things that unfold, uh, you know, in our absence, which I'm sure we'll get to, you know, that immediately when I saw that, I thought, oh man, it's like a big, 
you know, I'd be discussing just anything like that. It's just funny how, yeah, like when you, when you deal with these things weekly and then it's not, you just think like it's, uh, it's, there's, there's an absence, a noticeable absence, which I had never foreseen (laughs) previous to doing this. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's the, uh, the problem is like, you know, like we've, we so grow so accustomed to be able to process all these topics that, you know, I don't know about you, but I have very few people in my life that I can unload, uh, about these episodes <laughs> with, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> certainly not the people on the, my film crew. Yeah. It, I think though it's, it's, you know, um, it, it's, uh, it's a, like uh, our voice on this and I'm not trying to, you know, honk our own horn or whatever, but like, <laughs> It's just, yeah, it's for people like people like us. So if yeah. you don't have a lot of the, like, you know, these people in your life, then yeah, this is where it, it comes out. And I, I don't, I guess, yeah, I don't immediately that much. I've been fortunate that I'm, you've been away working mostly. So I'm still at least kind of going around and I, I do get these conversations every now and again, but lately, but, um, you know, yeah, I, but yeah, I'm with you. Long story short. Yeah, like once in a while I'll run into someone on the road where I can kind of like have one of these decompression sessions, but you know, those are those are few and far between. You know, not, my, not, not that there's aren't people in my crew that also enjoy like punk music and and punk adjacent music, but you know, not in the same way. Yeah, exactly. You know, um and trust me, I try and force these conversations on them. <laughs> As someone who knows you yes i, I believe that <laughs> uh all right uh let's get on to more of these episodes because we've, we've got some like real hitters that we missed out on talking about starting with yeah jello biafra um oh boy we, yeah we didn't get to talk to talk about last time uh, Jello is of course, uh, you know, the singer of the day Kennedy's. Some of you may have heard of that band and, uh, the, also the Guantanamo school of medicine more recently and lard. And what were some of the other, he had other projects too. One was like, uh, the no WTO thing that was probably yep. like about 15 years ago. That was with Chris Novoselic was even in that. And I can't remember the whole lineup. Yeah, who uh, was in that? Let's, you know, he's done like the first thing we got to look up. Yeah, we'll we'll get it right into our nerdiness right out of the gates on this one. But uh, what was the other one? He did. Uh, well, he's done like lots of collaborations, obviously, with like No Means No and DOA and yeah, he did those even things. Mojo Nixon, Melvin, the Mojo one. Nixon. Yeah, Melvin's one exactly. Yep, which I actually forgot about until you just said that. But yeah, that's a good. Uh, you know, pretty prolific. Obviously that. Uh, you know, if anyone doesn't know that, uh, I'd be shocked. But you know, it's uh, worth delving into his catalog more, even than just the Dead Kennedys. There's some really interesting things. Um, I think, like, you know, for a time, uh, I would argue that his spoken word records were, you know, a very—I um, don't know what, what the word I'm looking for is—but in my formative years, at least, they were one of the things that was the. Uh, you know, at the beginning, you you get into you you, you know, the the title "I Blow Minds for a Living." I remember being like very, very profound and and listening to some of those when, especially being young and being like moved. So I, I think for formative punkers, if you've not gone back and listened, I don't know how much of those are are uh, sort of dated by their decades now, but I still think it's worth checking out um, for something. Um, but yeah, that's. Uh, 
What were we looking up? We're looking up who's in the no WTO thing. Yeah, it was Kim that Thale. Band. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was Kim. Wow. Okay. Um, and then uh, Gina Mainwall, who was the drummer in Sweet Seventy Five. I was just wondering if she was. In I don't know. Bands. Uh, yeah, no, I was thinking what other band she played in, but it's not on her Wikipedia. She's a filmmaker as well, but uh, played drums hmm. in that. You know, Sweet Seventy Five was that Chris Novoselic band he had. Uh, yeah, yeah, that. yeah. Um, it was like his Foo Fighters era project. Yeah, I do recall. This is about what the like because the, the WTO thing was like two thousand. I want to say maybe two thousand one. No, ninety nine. If that, I don't know. Maybe ninety nine. There we go. Yeah. See, and they play, showing my age now. They played that one show, um, because it was in the curfew zone. Um, yeah, live in the battle in Seattle. Yeah, from two thousand. Trying to find the lineup here too. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, that you know, interesting little. You know, it's just something like like that gets brought up. I don't know. Like I have this. Um, still, I'd be lying if I said I listened to it in a good while, but I do remember thinking it was decent. And uh, again, this is one of the many treasures you can unlock by following the Jello, you know, path over the years. You're right about a spoken word like records. Like it's it's funny how they haven't aged not not well. Like because they're the as far as the content goes, but it's not like people like look back on them in the way that you think they should or would, you know, like we, we kind yeah. of like, you know, there's the history of cannabis, like that they obviously had a massive impact on, but just like so many things that he talked about have to kind of come to fruition. And like, he, he kind of like was an entertaining guy and was almost like, like if, if there were like a shock jock equivalent on the left, it would be him. Yeah, I think that I think that's well stated. Like when I think of like early, um, you know, formative sort of punk things, and especially like in say like even the, like specifically, I guess late eighties, late eighties, like even early nineties, the things I remember that like sort of that were always the go tos was just like even beyond the spoken word stuff. The fact that he ran for what was it, mayor of San Francisco? Yeah, mayor. Which is like, you know, and you can now, I'm sure you could easily Google that. But I remember even when just seeing the, uh, whatchamacallit, the, uh, his like, <laughs> whatever, his like, his propaganda material for doing it is, is really amusing. And just like he, you know, he's a larger than life figure. And in that, in those decades specifically, I think he was, he was pretty loomed very large. Not that he's not as much anymore. His, his influence is still very, you know, profound, but, um, but yeah, I don't know. In, in yeah, those years, like those spoke- spoken word artists, like he never really like you know, he was like kind of doing that. I you know, it's become so popular in the world of wrestling to have like wrestlers go out and do these kind of like nights with spoken word type things. Um, yeah, you know, and it's it's definitely obviously a huge thing for stand up comedians, and it's almost like Jello you think would be on a, a much higher level at this point in that world. Yeah, I think for me, it's the comparison I make is is always the and not that they're remotely the same person, but just you know they come from the world of punk and they do this too and and all that. And it's like Rollins' profile doing this seems to be a lot um, 
a lot bigger for whatever bizarre reason. I, I don't know. But, um, and again, that's an formative year kind of thing, like that kind of stuff too, um, as a reference point. But yeah, I think for me, I think though, Jello just, I, it was dedicated a lot more to sort of like a, a political stance, even though he is entertaining. I think that's what it is. Like, you know, again, the last things I vividly remember of his spoken word stuff, which are you know, obviously dated now, but date back to that WTO stuff, the last, pretty sure the last, unless he's done a new spoken word thing that I'm not aware of since, which could be, but uh, the last one I have was from that era too, actually. I should look up what the record's called. It's actually a really cool looking record too. It's like, uh, I believe it's like double picture disc and the whole like layout is insane. It has all these like... um uh, newspaper like cutouts and stuff, but it's from that era of like you know the WTO and uh, like maybe just pre Seattle specifically. Um, I'm just trying to find it here. It's funny because I saw him do. Uh, we went on that cruise, right? Like fucked up did the Bruise cruise a couple years ago. Now, yeah, um, and he was on it, and he did like lectures on the boat, and it was like one of the coolest. Oh, it was awesome. It was just like he he did like little like lectures in these classrooms on this boat and also ended up investigating kind of the labor situation on the boat and bumming everyone out by letting us in. <laughs> it was like a super kind of shitty situation for all the employees on the boat. Oh boy. Yeah. yeah. But he uh but he he did these like spoken word things that were all fantastic like these every night he would kind of like, you know, kind of do one of these things and they were they were great and it was one of those things where yeah like it's it was 2008 i guess which is around the time that he did his last spoken word record yeah so it shows like i found what i was speaking of and it goes to show you how outdated i am on this because the last one i have is from 98 so it's definitely pre-wto but it's the if evolution is outlawed only outlaws will evolve and it's excellent from what I remember. Um, still own it. Looks great too. But yeah, it's like a three LP like picture disc and like a whole crazy thing. But um, you know, one of the things on it is like the the murder of Mumia Abu Jamal is one of the topics. Mm-hmm. You know, so that'll tell you the era as well. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just I I don't mean to you know rant too hard on this. I just think like for me, uh, I maybe it's our age collectively or my age. I, I just think that there was a time when these were like fundamental backbones to getting into stuff. Yeah. You know, absolutely. at least from my perspective and I don't know, I'm not trying to like throw any shade. I just, I don't know if that is such the case anymore and you know, for better or worse, but um, I would still recommend people go back and visit cause there's some real, real uh, treasure in those I find. Yeah, absolutely. And one passing we haven't talked about yet, but it's Gord Downey and uh, my friend Patrick was talking to me about it the other day and he's like, it's like talking about it's like the last generation of like poets and how there's like not really another wave of like, uh, you know, obviously there's other poets, but like, as far as like people that could kind of like trade on being just a thinker or just like a, a poet, you know, like that doesn't really exist anymore. You can't just be, I think just the lead singer in a band. You got to like have some other hustle now. <laughs> I think you're not off in in you know like uh, giving credit where it's due to 
to what you know what he was like as a human being is from what i i mean i didn't know him personally but you did a little bit and i know other people that did and yeah i think there's something in an era of of people like that that i i do agree with you it, it doesn't feel like um and again perhaps i'm being anxious about you know our collective era but i just yeah I, i'm kind of with you there i i think gourds is is a weird uh, not a weird one a unique one in the sense that for me his uh i was talking with someone about this the other day obviously because it's a big it's been a big uh you know deal here in canada as it yeah. should be um his passing but, but um the thing I always thought was interesting with him and even like his collaborations recently with like folks like you or what have you, it's rare that you get someone who can be um, like completely populist while at the same time, you know, not being at the same time being completely rooted in, in that other world and being and, and universally respected in both worlds. And so that is why I think, you know, his passing resonates apart from the group he was a part of obviously being iconic here in Canada, especially, but you know, when, when anyone speaks of him, of course, apart from like, he was a nice man and things like that. It's, it's not like, uh, people aren't sending these compliments as like, you know, being a politician. It's like, you know, people, you know, really believed it or felt it. That's, and again, I, I never got to meet him, unfortunately. So I, I don't have a personal story on this, but yeah, that that's what I think translates, and I think like yeah, you're, the archetype of that kind of guy or person, I should say, um, is is very rare. And I don't, yeah, I don't know if it's difficult to to source one since. I mean, there's a few people I would, but even them I wouldn't put in the same category, like in Canada anyway. But anyway, I don't know. I'm ranting, but yeah, I do think that's a that's a good observation. Yeah, and I think Jello, like you know, people be like Jello, and what does Jello have to do with Gord Downey? I think both of them are very much symbolic of of an era where, you know, as a musician, you were able to sell enough physical products that you could just be a full time musician and kind of exist outside of the the society. You know, like you could almost opt out, right? Like, and I think Greg Ginn, someone who was able to do to illustrate someone who's done that. You know, like, because well, I think were, the, yeah, I think the punk world's full of those people. I agree. Yep. Yeah. And it was because you were able to sell enough physical product at that time that you could be independently wealthy, like and completely independently wealthy, you know? And I think, you know, yeah. Gord Downey also is from a time when a band could sell enough CDs and records and they granted, they did some sponsorship type thing too, but like you could be wealthy off music and yeah. It's not, we don't live in that era anymore. Like you can be wealthy off music, but it's because you're doing something else like touring incessantly or, you know, getting sponsorship money is a big one now uh, or, you know, like, yeah. Like that. I, and I think more importantly though, what we're attributing here also is that, uh, you can be, you can you know, the people you think of as wealthy off music in, in a contemporary context, um, I'm I'm struggling to think of any of them that represent anything beyond, you know, vapid pop culture. And neither of the people we're speaking of are that type of person. And that's what's rare. And, and the other, you know, you could name a dozen other people as well. And I think that is what 
when we reminisce about, you know, things in the 80s or even 90s or this kind of world, or at least when I do, this is like, this is what I'm sort of, you know, dreaming of that, you know, that, that hearkening back to that. Now, having said that, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of people I, I you know, I, you know, I haven't been the, the biggest of that were also popular and wealthy in that, that time and had plenty of, um, uh, what's the word? Like, uh, they were, they were not in the news, but they were as high profile. Uh, and you know, that probably has changed because it's made it more of a, I don't know, even playing field now. So you don't get it off of like being a high profile, you know, necessarily wealthy person or something. You now get it off of, you know, the weight of what's, you know, happening in the minute. And so yeah. I think, and, and I think like you've, you guys have brushed with that, I would say as a group and even you as a person. And I think like that in your era, in our era, I think that's been important because I'm not sure that would have happened for you guys in the past, let's say. You know, so there's there's the give and take to it. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think we're definitely, like, our our success would not have happened in any other era of music, you know. And I, I understand that and appreciate that. And, like, um, you know, but there's definitely, like, the fact that, you know, in other eras of music, you know, not talking about myself, because obviously I'm very appreciative of the success and ride I've had. <laughs> But in other eras of music, you could be a a singer in a band and and just exist like that for for a long time, you know. And like some people would argue, you know, I'm sure from a Dead Kennedys other members standpoint, when it comes to Jello and and have some qualms about how the royalties were divided up for that thing. But like the fact is, Alternative Tentacles was an amazing label and was putting out a lot of really cool records that were all selling pretty good. And so you could become wealthy off that. Fat Mike was wealthy off of punk records, you know? And yeah, like, well, a number of people have been, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. there were, like, you know, other musicians that were wealthy off their music. Like, it's funny, we're not going to get to this episode today, but the the uh, Brandon Kelly one where he's talking about being making so much money off slapstick records because they were selling just so many CDs at an, era, at an era where, like, CDs were selling, and you could sell them for a lot of money. Yeah, I mean it's it the idea we we've touched on this before and again like I I hesitate a bit when we <laughs> talk about some of this stuff sometimes because again I feel maybe we're being a bit precious about like the physical product era and you and I happen to be shameless record collectors as well. So it, you know obviously we have a different relationship with <laughs> the physical product than most people. What also here's like another argument though like okay like you know you're just fleecing people for their money. You know, like these guys were rich off of the work other people did, you know, like that other people would have these jobs that they had to do. And it was to like mm. feed this need to hear, you know, people, you know, extolling their own virtues on music, on record. And I say this as someone who, yeah. who made my living doing that too. So it's really, it's like, you know, I don't, I don't know if I'm necessarily nostalgic for that era in the same way as I, <laughs> I am when I don't think about this kind of stuff, but like, you yes. know, like these people, like it's, you know, it, it's like, it's like pro wrestling, Chris. It's all, <laughs> it, it's all about just getting people's money. Well, and, and the, you know, the industry independent or not, of course, that's what it's like. You know, that's the way, that's the way of the world. Yeah. But, um, 
I do think like some of the people we're discussing though, you know, regardless of sort of what has become of, of their empires in certain respects, I do think their intentions were, were sound. Um, you know, so I think that's where I would differ on the idea of it, if it being completely opportunistic, I don't think that was always the case, but yeah, no, I'm just being uh, playing devil's advocate a little bit on this one too. No, no, for sure. And I think, you know, the era uh, has also, or like the era, like the changing of the industry and the, that whole, you know, what we're already touching on, I think people become, have to become a little more like that perhaps because, you know, again, there's the sustainability was not the same anymore or is not the same, so to speak. Um, yeah, I don't know. We're, we're getting into a large topic here. I didn't expect to be <laughs> chewing this one off, but I tell you, that's where this it, we're back. Sometimes, this is footnotes, footnotes folks. <laughs> this is footnotes. It gets heavy sometimes. Yeah. Dig, buckle up. Yeah. Dig in. Do a dab. <laughs> drink a soda. Because it's going to be a long <laughs> night. Um, but yeah, no, I was think that I, your, that mine was the soda. Yours yeah, the dab. Is the soda. Yeah. Might as well go for a soda, Chris. <laughs> I, just, I was just clarifying that that was the. <laughs> there we go. Speaking yeah. of another Canadian icon, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Another straight edge icon. I'm on the phone with a Canadian straight edge icon, and we're, you know, we're quoting a Canadian straight edge icon <laughs> in Kim Mitchell. I don't know if he's actually straight edge, <laughs> but, you know. Yeah, I don't believe so, but. Oh, you know we'll what? Take I, that song. I'll have that. You know, I, I, we didn't get into like, you know, our normal talk about stuff we bought recently. But uh, this store opened up down the street from my house, and I bought uh, a box, a sealed box of dinosaur attack cards. <laughs> I, I, you've, I believe we've, we've spoken a bit about this. I don't know if we were trying to play up that we had, and I'm sorry I ruined that. But, um, but well, we, we spoke off first... air about this, but I know. But I haven't spoken yeah. on air about stuff we bought recently. So, you know, no, I know. awkwardly so, transitioning what... into my still need for physical product. <laughs> Uh, out of our conversation about that was getting too heavy. No, no. But the, uh, when you first brought this up, you know, when we talked in private, I was just kind of like, it went over my head. I was like, Oh yeah, I don't really, you know, didn't, didn't recall it. And then you started describing it and I immediately remember, like vividly remembered as like a youth. Yeah. And they're, they're great and terrible and it's fantastic. Um, and so that is wonderful. And I can't wait to like, I need to look up and see some of the images again because I just remember as a kid stumbling across them, and just being like blown away at how like why does this exist? Yeah, <laughs> like, they're very vivid in their disgustingness. Um, yeah. Also, I went to Vinyl Conflict. I should say so. Uh, shout out to Bobby and Vinyl out. Conflict. Yeah. Uh, and picked yep. up some some cool cool stuff down there. I still have to go. Um, I believe we spoke about this on the show, but when we did the live ones in December, uh, he came out and yes. uh, gave us gifts. He, he's a wonderful man. I, and uh, I just think the uh, the store looks really cool. I, I always am envious of people that go. So when I saw you went again, I was, was very, very envious of that. Um, I got some good but yeah, I, I, yeah, I haven't been to Richmond in a while, unfortunately. I need to... Uh, Try and rectify that, but it's a little difficult when you're not really touring in a band or with a band you at the minute. New band. To really kind of, <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure I need to do that, but yeah, <laughs> this is your R war. Uh, <laughs> I wish. <laughs> it's very um, R war year band. 
What's uh, that? Maybe I'll go. I'll go like uh, second round straight edge and sing in it, and it'll be like we'll do our. Oh, there our you go. Band. There we go. Hey, let's do it. Yeah. Um, we just have to recruit some other people. We got to figure out who that would be. We do we have to figure out some some people, or maybe it'll be like a straight edge weed band, and it'll be like kind of like. Uh, <laughs> it'll be like I think I'm already out. The idea has already expired. That <laughs> what if I brought up Uppercut? Would that bring you back on board? Uh, <laughs> no, not so much. But um, That's your loss then. Um, but yeah, Jello by Afra. Uh, yes. yeah, I think, yeah, it was a fun fun getting to talk to Jello, uh, a guy that I got to take record shopping um, afterwards, which turned into another episode worth of adventures. I brought him record <laughs> shopping with Bear from uh, a tribe called Red uh, to Grasshopper's store. Yeah, th- that one I remember mentioning. There was a lot of stuff you get into in that episode, and I feel like because we have to kind of cover like three or four uh, of the ones that we've sort of not covered in real time. We should move um, that a we're- little faster. Well, no, I just mean like I feel bad that uh, to the people that want the nuance that we usually provide okay, for, yeah. um, that we're not that we're not getting to every little you know nook and cranny of that one because okay, there's well, a lot. Into, is there more to get into? You think, or should we? Move? Oh no, well, I just uh, the one thing I wanted to shout out was I liked that he uh, the Paul Revere and the Raiders. I love that he shouted out that and them not getting enough credit. Um, I thought that was big, and I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of the other ones that jumped out at me that he was talking about as far as this, um, as far as the, like that kind of stuff. If you, any jump out at you, I don't know. What do you, what, do you remember anything in the moment you, you, uh, being impressed by him bringing up or you, uh, mentioning that he was receptive to? I love, I love the idea of him being the roadie for the ravers. Uh, I love, I love his stories about just walking in and seeing these bands and like the idea that he was, exposed to it firsthand and he's always had like a really incredible ear for punk you know like if you kind of go back through the bands that he signed or just like the bands he's always been into and repped it's always been great stuff and uh i just like i don't know i really enjoyed the idea of him record collecting and like him as a record collector because he's like a record collecting hero of mine and the fact that he's always you know, he's always been into all types of music, but he's certainly had this ear for rare punk records that goes back to before there was such a thing as rare punk records, when it was just like random singles that no one cared about that he would somehow get into. Yeah, like, yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah. I agree, and I think that he doesn't he doesn't get enough credit for that personally, no. I, I don't feel either. And no, like uh, I, alter- I, I, Let's call up Alternative Tentacles on the COGS. Um and and like you look Yo, at that, a lot oh it's like insane but like you go through like some of those records that they've put out it's like this is a good label well the the things in in like recent uh whatever years that i think are underrated because i think a lot of the times they tend to do like cd reissues of things but i remember um i was looking up a few recently i'm just trying to remember the ones that were jumping out because I wasn't aware that he had reissued some of this stuff until I was like, because it's like always the, like I believe, I'm, I don't want to, I'm trying to find it without making an error here. But he did do the Subhumans reissue, did he not? Of all the original yeah, Subhuman stuff? recently, yeah. Canadian? Yeah. But I mean, just even that, yeah, there we go. 
yeah, there's a bunch there. Um, but there was a few things that I remember crossing recently, like coming across going, oh, he actually did this too. Cause I, I always just remember the original records, like, cause I'm a, I'm a nerd trying to track that stuff down, but then realizing like, oh wait, he did an actual thing. Like the Zolar X talk too. Like <laughs> the fact that he put yeah, a Zolar, Zolar X record. He, that was his one of his discoveries. But no, he did like DOA. He did Giza X records. He did like yeah. Six Pack came out alternative tentacles. Flippers for, record uh, came out alternative tentacles. TSOL, uh, you know, Bad Brains. The first twelve inch came out alternative tentacles. Like not so quiet. Yeah, which is not that. Yep. And first seven even, seconds, um, the farts, what, you know, like, yeah, that go on. Sorry. No, no, that like, it's funny that the, those ones you're mentioning specifically are the, are the ones that are kind of the mind blowers for me. When you think of like that idea, like seven seconds and like the, the bad brains, 12 inch, like, yeah, like I know realize that those are in the same, obviously arena, but they're, it just associated with that label. It's just not things you think of, especially in hindsight. Like when you think of those two groups, you don't think, or I don't think of any association with with alternative tentacles. Yet there is. Well, yeah, like, um, like Husker Du Land Speed record that's on alternative tentacles. Yeah, MDC. Yeah, I agree. The MDC LP when it gets reissued. Yo, how about this? The Naked Lunch, or sorry, sorry, Naked Lunch, the Eraserhead soundtrack. He did that too. Yeah, weird. In eighty two, I didn't even know that one. Well, he did the Articles of Faith, like, reissues, too, of the collections he did. It's nuts. Yeah, that's right. And it's the best cover for those nerds out there. Yeah. The original, like, the, it's the best cover of, of that. Mind you, it's been reissued by Discord since. But originally, the only cover you could get like that was their version, which is a huge nerd factoid. It was the UK uh, That, of version, course, right? I went out of my way to get. Yeah. It's the black, the black X cover rather than the red one that was reissued. Yeah. Uh, one record I want to shout out because I think that this is a group that, for some reason, in my opinion, has been completely lost to time uh, from the early 2000s, and they were incredible live and had a great shtick. Uh, was the Kazi Way, and he also did those records. Not every one, but he did. Uh, I think the last two LPs they did. One's called "With Loving and Open Arms." What's that? Sorry. Oh, sorry. And Wesley, I'm sorry. I was just talking from that era too. Wesley Willis too. He was doing. He did do. Yep. Yeah. He did Wesley Willis. Yep. Yeah. Um, some of Wesley. I mean, Wesley Willis did a lot of stuff. So, but he yeah. did some of it. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah. I cannot talk highly enough about this. Amoebics. You know, like, you know, no means yeah. no. Uh, like he did, he put out some. He Alice also Donut. did late SNFU, like pre whatever ping pong. If he came in. So he's got his hands all over everything. Yeah, like it's amazing, it's, like it's, what a run he had of, yeah. of just like essential records. Yep. Um, it's uh, and again, it's one of those things where I haven't heard them all, but there's a lot that I have heard that I really enjoy. And of course, there's a lot of good spoken word records that are reissued and stuff, or or put out. Anyway, yeah. So endless credit due, and uh, I don't know. I think your interview was was really great. I, I very much enjoyed listening to it. <laughs> Oh, well, no, thank you. I appreciate that. Like it, uh, it was a, a real uh, honor. And so Melanie Kay, thank you once again for being the best and making that happen. Cause she was the one that made that interview happen. And also guys give a huge shout out to cops on queen street and grasshopper records for letting jello and I invade the store and 
to deal with the shitstorm of two people digging for records. <laughs> Some more frantically than others. Not saying which one. Just saying. <laughs> uh, nice. So uh, I guess we should move on to the next episode. Yeah, for sure. Dave Perner from the band Soul Asylum. Uh, so I guess like, you know, before we get into this too much, we got to talk about another recent passing, right? Yeah, sure. Like that, uh, I mean, it was one of the, I, I would say probably the, the biggest one, I think, as far as punk centric, um, punk centric yeah. news of that kind. I can't think of any, and I feel, I'm always worried that I say something like that and I've forgotten a huge one, you know, but pretty sure that one is the big one yeah like for anyway. me obviously uh, you know and I, I i we glossed over it a little bit there but gord you know the passing of gord downey uh is like an unbelievable tragedy for canadian music and to say that it's like we've lost one of the good ones as people always like to say is an understatement like i say we've lost one of the few decent ones that existed in music that i've ever met and so uh yeah, rest in peace, Gord. But also, yeah, I know someone that I never got to meet, but someone I'm definitely a huge fan of. Uh, an unbelievable songwriter, one of the greatest songwriters I think of. I don't know any generation, to be honest. But Grant Hart from Husker Du and uh, a very impressive solo career passed away uh a few months ago now or a month ago now, I should say. Yeah, I would say around there. I'll look it up as we're yeah. And he is, without a doubt, uh, you know, yeah, September 13th, he passed away on. Um, uh, he is, without a doubt, as I say, one of the greatest songwriters ever. And uh, I can't tell you uh, to check out his music uh, with more uh, with more haste than if you haven't before. Because, you know, he is a, he's um, someone that... Uh, left behind a breadth of material, you know, an incredible discography. Yeah. And, uh, coolest labels too. Yeah. And also, um, just like a sidebar, an amazing drummer. Yeah. An amazing punk drummer, which is, uh, which is big. You, you remember the, the really excellent punk drummers from what I, at least I do. So yeah, that one, uh, yeah. Anyway, but uh, that was one we missed, unfortunately, in real time uh, when that happened. But the uh, I, I think that from the amount of things I saw uh, paying tribute to him, I think it was at least well um, observed. You know what I mean? Like paying due to that, which is nice to see. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like I don't think he gets the credit he deserves sometimes as a songwriter. And I think that in his the wake of his passing, I think he got it a lot more. Mm-hmm. I thought you had, uh, because I know when you went on stage with them, what was that as? That was just Bob Mould. It was just his solo thing. So he was, I, th- yeah. I don't know why I thought it was like a reunion thing or something. No. Anyway, yeah. No, it just brought back the power of Husker Du for you, Chris. That's what I think you're thinking of. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my really awkward. I'm shocked though that you never met him um, because you've you've kind of you've been fortunate enough to kind of have these encounters. 
Um, yeah, like we, so I'm I, shocked that you didn't. You never. I was him. at a show he played, but I missed him. His set that Halo Flies did too <clears throat> for Infinity Reptile at a South by Southwest event years ago. Um, but yeah, like unfortunately, I never got to meet him. Um, Someone that I'm definitely a huge fan of his music. Like you know, put out tons of incredible solo records. An incredible drummer wrote some unbelievable songs for uh, Husker Du. And, uh, yeah, someone that we missed, but definitely someone that we need to acknowledge before we dive into this Dave Perner episode, because we do talk about Husker yeah. News, so we had to get that out of the way before another awkward, um, memoriam in the middle of a conversation about something else. Yeah. Um, but yeah, rest in peace, uh, Grant. And, uh, once again, if you have not checked out any of their music, you got to check it out. There's a new Merrill group, uh, Husker Du early years box set coming out. Really, I never knew that. Yeah, we gotta look that up. Numero Group is is you know I don't know they just crush it, man. I, I really like it. I believe we've talked about it on the show before. But I just bought one of their things recently that uh, this bizarre reissue thing that they put out. Not even a reissue. I don't know what you would even call it. Kind of like a weird like you know I don't know back from the grave or like killed by death style comp of like acid rock. Oh, acid nightmares. I don't know if yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's really cool. As a sidebar, not, I know it's not topical to what we're discussing for Minneapolis, but I just, yeah, like that label a lot. I have for a while, but that, you know, just the fact that they still do that kind of stuff is excellent. I had no idea they were doing a Husker doing though. That's awesome. Yeah, this is like, it's crazy. They, they're doing this box set thing. It's four LPs, um, and it's it comes with a book. 69 songs, 47 previously unissued. And it's got all these unpublished so, photos in it and, and essays. So what, it, so what are they like? What are the, you're saying early years. So the, the, it's just like the early records compiled or, you know, like what, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, what is that? What is this? Uh, Follow the Huskers to their earliest gigs in 1979 through extensive road tour, tour dog touring, and the start of their partnership with West Coast uh, tastemaker SST in 1983 via 180-pound book. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, spread across four LPs, 47 of 69 songs compiled here are previously unissued and includes In a Free Land, Everything Falls Apart, an alternate uh, land speed record. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I was just wondering because I I didn't know if they like obviously those records exist if they were actually using the material from that. I thought but the band must have the uh, the rights to that music or whatever. Still, no. They also just put an extra circus, which is uh, that's Numero Group did. Yeah. Yeah. What is that? I don't know that that one. Oh, it looks awesome. This is one LP. Oh, it's all the songs that were left on the cutting room floor uh, from uh, when they did Metal Circus. Oh, cool. That have just been on bootlegs, but they're all like legit reissues. Yeah, that's awesome. Man, this is a great label. Yeah, it is, they definitely put out a lot of cool, really cool stuff. Yeah, agreed. Um, uh, you know, so, uh, but oh, uh, and that's it. I guess let's get into this episode. 
Yeah. What uh, what one did you want to talk to first? What point here? Uh, let's uh, I don't know. Let's go into. I guess the idea of seeing punk before there was any other like signpost for what punk was to you, <laughs> you know, and like the, the idea yeah. of like being like able to see something completely pure without any formal introduction to it. Yeah. I think uh, obviously it, it tends to be like that Eureka moment when that happens, at least for the people that you've interviewed or you, you know, yourself, me, but I think we had a context before, you know, whereas this generation, didn't or whatever not didn't have a content but didn't have like a i don't know what the word is exactly what you're saying like they it wasn't a a certifiable thing by term therefore you know you didn't already go with some expectation Mm -hmm. um i wish i lived (laughs) in an era where that were possible i don't know if even there was any music that i could ever say i've encountered as purely because I think everything had already been a thing by the time I saw anything, <laughs> including up to present. Um, so yeah, I, I love the idea of it, and of course, punk in specific. You know, it's you know experiencing that first time. It's you know, it's a pretty unique thing, especially for a young person. Um, yeah, I wish I had that luxury. I don't know. I, I all all the time I think about that. Like I wish, you know, I was uh, a, a, like an era earlier or something. Actually, I don't even know if that would have been early enough. It would have had to be two for me and you probably, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah, no, it would have had to have been because it's like, you know, like there, you know, and, and there are obviously people would be like, I I think actually, no, pre-Nirvana, like that, that would be a way to still hear stuff in a way that would be pure, right? So I guess maybe I did hear the Ramones in a kind of like pure way when I probably first, first heard them um, because it would have been as a little kid, you know, but yeah, I think post Nirvana, you can't really do that because you're hearing bands that are inspired by them being played on mainstream radio. Right. Like, so when you hear them, it's not going to be nearly as shocking. Yeah. I think, um, I'm trying to think of a yeah, I, I think that's correct. I think there are, I think that's a good way to frame it. I would, I can't think of a, I mean, I liked metal before I liked, I guess, punk in theory. So I'm just trying to think if there was anything that was adjacent or something that I could point to pre Nirvana. But yeah, I think in many ways you're right with that. I think it, what is a bummer to me now is that, you know, just due to age that I didn't see a lot of the groups that were temporaries of Nirvana in, in that era that I could have, uh, you know, sort of gained a little more context to, you know, that whole, that whole thing when it unfolded. Um, but yeah, seeing, I can't even imagine when, when like people of like, you know, two generations, like I said, above us saw the phenomenal things they saw without any, you know, like, you know, any preconception. I, I can't even imagine what that would be like being blown away that badly. Um, not to say that I didn't see, you know, earlier concerts or have earlier records in my youth that did do that, but to see it so like, I don't know, like to see any of the classic stuff, I, I never even, I never even saw Nirvana, you know, I had an opportunity, but, um, but again, like most things in life or the Ramones matter, um, you know, most yeah. things, I was actually having this, <laughs> this discussion on the weekend, like the Ramones, 
I just always assumed it would be like, oh, they'll be back. I'll catch them with, you know, someone else at another time. And then, of course, you know, that things happen. And Nirvana, same thing. I remember that last tour in 90, I want to say four, maybe, 93. And I thought, okay, well, they were huge. And I thought, well, I'll get another chance. So I'll just, I'll see them, you know, no no worries. And then, of course, that changed. And so, yeah, I I don't think I saw live any of my like sort of early profound things like because even the metal stuff i never went to see any of those big metal concerts um so was, i never thought of this before that the idea of like catching the any of things like that live i never really i don't think i saw anything like that until good I, I don't know I, I don't think i experienced that because i was already into music like collecting music in some tiny respect that you know, the sort of the live thing was secondary. I just didn't go to a lot of concerts. So yeah. to see it you know, quantified and like, I, I, yeah, I don't, I wish I had it. I wish I had, my mind hadn't been blown by records as much as it had been by seeing a group. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, agree. Um, I don't know if I'm, I, I feel like I rambled a bit there, but you know, I'm trying to <laughs> articulate that thought, but I, anyway, I, I, yeah. Like, so, I, I, I never got to see, most of the great bands, like I never got to see, uh, uh, you know, like from my era, I mean, like the ones you're bringing up, you know, I never got to see the Ramones cause same sort of reason. Last time they came through, it was opening for white zombie. Yeah. And, I remember. Yeah. Like, I don't want to really see white zombie. Yeah. So now I wouldn't mind seeing white zombie then. You know, I think you're wrong though. I don't think it was white zombie. I think it was Rob zombie. If was I remember Rob correctly. Zombie at that point? Yeah. Cause white zombie, I wouldn't, I mean, I would have probably dealt with that, but Rob Zombie solo, I just wasn't having. And I'm pretty sure that was the the tour, if I remember the last one that I recall at least. Yeah, and it's funny because um, like at the time I had no idea that there was probably like this like legit New York connection between the two groups from back in the day. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But now I get it. Now I get it. Um, yeah, of course. Uh, but I, also, I want to talk about the Suicide Commandos. Yeah, okay. Kind of an unheralded I don't, band. Again, a group I know I know I've never gotten massively into, so this is going to be your heavy lifting more than mine. Um but uh fill me in on on your context of the interview really? here. Well, I don't, you don't you've never heard uh their records? No, I'm familiar with them uh by name certainly. I don't know offhand of records I've I've gotten into of theirs or or like anything I have a vivid memory of that I could really pontificate about. Um, but I'm trying to look up something here to see if something will spur my mind. They started like way earlier. They started in like 74, but by 78, they put out a record, make, make a record, which is kind of this really cool. Uh, it's got like, it definitely has like a, a rock. Uh, I think it was at the time described as an R and B kind of influence to it. But it is punk. Okay. It's really kind of like fast and driving. Uh, they put out three or two really great singles. And then, yeah, like it looks like they did a record with Frank Black. What am I seeing? I'm just looking it up here. What's the. Oh, wow. Yeah. In 2013. Weird. Yeah. Um, on our friend's uh, label mate's uh, label. Um. Songs for Slim. I wonder what. <clears throat> yeah, I'm not familiar with this. 
Um, oh, oh, it's just one. a seven inch. Okay. Oh well, it's like a limited, limited single. I want to check huh. this out though. Like, I wonder there's songs on this discog. Right, no. Yeah, but no, I never got into these records. I'm looking it up. You know what it is? I'm I'm confusing. I don't know this band at all. Oh yeah, Moby's thing. So no, I don't. Uh, yeah, Moby's thing, which I. area but yeah i don't know these records i gotta check this out do you i'm assuming you own at least one of these original singles or lps probably uh i own i own the two singles and the first lp whoa this seven inch was limited to a hundred that new west one from 2013 yeah <laughs> it's this never been sold on the marketplace. No. Hmm. On eBay, I guess. Maybe, or it says sold on the yeah. Weird. Yeah. How this came it says all proceeds went to the Slim Dunlap Fund. Yeah. And it was songs for Slim dot com. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. It's funny because we have a friend who is on this. uh on the label new west but i don't know anything about this this thing um but they are uh kind of like a really cool band uh that really you know the first single 76 right so they're right out of the gate uh same time as everything's going down um yeah you want me to trace you why that makes sense though as well really quickly why does that make sense not the frank black well okay so you you doing the 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 suicide commando is putting a thing that label yeah why that makes sense is because that the dude from Twin Tone went to that label, and oh, okay, so that's yeah. the connection. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense because yeah, they were ultimately on Twin Tone Records after being on yep. Blank Records. Blank Records, I think. Like, I'm trying to remember the story. There's like some weird story where like it was bought from the Misfits, the name, and Blank Records put out uh, the Perubu uh, first LP and put out. Um, and put out uh, the Suicide Commandos record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did just the two records, Modern Dance and uh, Suicide Commandos, which is kind of like a, a good run for a label. <laughs> yeah, two off. <laughs> yeah. It was a, uh, a Mercury Record subsidiary, apparently. Yeah, that's funny. Like, it's apparently the polygraph, so it looks like a... I wonder when that got gobbled up. Because like that was out of the gate that they were a subsidiary right away, or that got bought up later when the like the well obviously Suicide Commandos I don't know how how much they made it commercially, but Perubu did a bit. Maybe that's where that comes from. No, I think I don't know Cliff Bernstein, who is uh, the manager of Metallica and Red Hot Chili Peppers, ran this label. Hmm. Um, but he he only did two records, but definitely two amazing <laughs> records. Well, yeah, commendable. <laughs> I like they the idea that's too. The Bizarros, but their album was released on Mercury when Blank was folded. It says according to this uh, Discogs entry, which was hmm. great. Like, wow, they picked it's like one of the foundational Cleveland bands, one of the foundational Minnesota bands, Minneapolis bands, and one of the foundational. Uh, I guess another kind of Cleveland band. I guess we're Akron with the Bizarros. <laughs> 
<laughs> that one, I don't know. I don't know enough about the Bizarros, but I'm not shocked that oh, you do. Bizarros are fucking awesome, Chris. <laughs> Dude, you got to check out the Bizarros. Uh, those, those. Another one I will track down. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, so no. um, I guess that's. Uh, I guess we should move on to the next episode or want anything else you want to dive into this? Sure. Um, I'm just going to look it over really quick. I don't think, I mean, part of my, <clears throat> my trouble with this one is that I'm a bit foggy because these came out a month oh, or so ago or whatever. And so I can't remember some of the nuance. I apologize for the listeners that I'm maybe not, uh, contributing my, my, uh, <laughs> as much as I should be with some of these but I'm trying. It's okay. Don't worry, buddy. Don't worry. And we're going to wrap it soon because we're going to have to save some for another Greatest Hits episode. Uh, I do want to point out to everyone, though, that right now on Discogs, you can find that the uh, Bizarro's uh, first single for unbelievably cheap. So if you're looking for uh, for uh, like a good record to pick up cheap, that's, that's a good find right now. Nice. Uh, let's move on to the next episode. What is the next one? We were... Next one is uh Corey Corey five knuckle chuckle yep damien's uh, favorites tory mccallum cory mccallum yeah no i was really stoked to get to finally do this of course five knuckle chuckle a band from orangeville ontario hugely influential to people like me um josh from fucked up i know is a big fan i know mike was <laughs> a big fan sandy was a huge fan everyone had fucked up i don't know maybe not jonah as much but that's because jonah was more into like dropkick murphy's type punk and i think jonah was more into jersey oh that's funny i would never have <laughs> picked him for a jersey guy <laughs> excuse me jonah was into ska I get that, but I, I'm just like I wouldn't have picked him for that over like you know the sort of metally influenced things. No, he was definitely not like more like a skate punk dude. Um, hmm. He was into like ska punk stuff for a minute. Oh, gotcha. And then and then he was into like hardcore. Well, he's into like Dropkick Murphys big time for a while. Remember he had the jacket. <laughs> 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 I'm not touching this because this is you airing out your bandmates. I'm not airing out anything. I'm just bringing up uh, history, you know? Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. You know? Uh, let's, <laughs> uh, let's dive into this episode. So, yeah, hugely influential band for uh, my band, obviously, a bunch of people from this area. Were you a fan of them at all, Chris, growing up? Uh, no, but not. Not that I was, not that I like had an issue. I just never really. Uh, they didn't really jump to me for whatever reason. I don't know why. Did uh, you know because them? I liked a lot of. Yeah, I knew them by name. I probably heard a song or two in passing. I don't really remember. Like even when they're talking, because you, if I remember correctly, you guys even speak about them doing like a music video, right? Yeah, they did a video on much music. Which again, in Canada, like for for you know international listeners. There was a time in, in on much music anyway, where in Canada here, which is our MTV or whatever, um, where we we did like they would push certain like because we have these Canadian content rules and laws or whatever, and so you would see you know independent things getting pushed. Uh, and I guess this is one of those bands, but it's funny because I don't remember that video or um, any. I don't I don't remember a lot about the band other than the name, probably seeing some records and maybe hearing a song or two, but. It's funny because I like, you know, I knew of Rock Energy. I knew of like some of that stuff, but I never, this is one that never, uh, I don't know, didn't go across the lake, so to speak. 
Uh, although I shouldn't say that because I, sh- I would probably bet <laughs> there are at least a handful of people in my neck of the woods that probably loved this band and still do. So I- I'm just speaking for myself, I suppose. Yeah, it was weird. Like it was very, there was stuff that was very local and very regional at the time, you know, like, uh, and they might've been very just Toronto area, like, you know, and like not, not, as you say, they didn't, they didn't go West with uh, their popularity as much as like maybe they were an Eastern area band. Um, <laughs> it could be. Yeah. Which is definitely, I'm just case. trying to think even like, like I've sent you, there was uh, <laughs> I believe, I, I think I sent it to you. We, we have a, in like a sort of a group chat thing uh, for the show. Um, and I sent uh, Damien a flyer. I don't know, probably a, four months ago or something when I was at a venue, one of the venues here in, uh, in the nearby area. And I can't remember who they were opening for. Do you remember that flyer oh, sent? Cause yeah, it, it was the, cause the joke is that Damien always is, it's Damien's favorite band and that Damien, it, obviously it's not, but you love them. I do. But, love uh, them. you do love them and that's great. Uh, but I, uh, one of the Daves always sort of teases that it's, you know, it was talked about band or something <laughs> from Damien. So I, I sent because I saw like that had flyers up at uh, the St. Hollywood, and I can't remember what the gig was. I'm trying to, th- it's uh, like someone coming the, up. It's like eight years Louis or something, right? Yeah, there, I mean there was a bunch, but it was very funny because, like, of all the times I've ever really discussed this band or even heard them, it's been with you, and then I've seen their name or whatever. But in recent times, I've seen it more. It's like you've imparted this on the world. And now it's like it's ripple effect is being felt like you like you have you're responsible for this band, you know, coming out of the obscurity back to like being a thing, I feel. Well, no, I'm all I can do is 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 play my part in imparting the the gift of their music (laughs) that they've given us and let everyone else pick up the pieces after that. But because like. I I do feel that I've helped spread the word a little bit, but like they're they're the band that have kind of I don't know I think for that that era like they're one of the best bands of that style for me, and uh, it's it's amazing that how much I kind of still find myself being able to go back and listen to all that all these years later. Yeah, I th- I can do that I think there I think um it's also like a bit refreshing because I don't feel that there's a lot that's entirely like that at the moment. I know there are things, but not things that I tend to gravitate towards. So if I'm listening to anything of, of that sort of spectrum, I, I tend to be, you know, something from, from that era rather than maybe a new band of that, that, uh, whatever style. Um, but yeah, this is one, the, the things I really liked that he was talking about in this, in this interview specifically was the idea of like, not, um, separating like the idea of getting into something like, um, I'm trying to think of the bands. Like he, obviously, Bad Brains is mentioned, but he talks a lot about. I believe, if I remember correctly, SNFU, uh, and like basically getting into essentially hardcore without kind of realizing that, you know, the sort of like the the differentiation, if you will, like them being from an era where when they got into these things, it was just like whatever they kind of stumbled across, and it was cool. That was fine. There wasn't any like specific need to put it in a little like box and not like one over the other or what have you and i think that is accurate to my also semi-rural uh southern ontario upbringing (laughs) i don't know about yours yeah no that i think for me it was i came about in the era just before 
you had to compartmentalize everything in, in a way. Yeah. Um, or at least before I was privy to the fact that you had to do that. Um, you know, I didn't realize that that was like what you were supposed to do till a little bit later on. So yeah, you got to experience a lot more of it, but it's funny. Cause like he was the first person I met where I'm like, Oh, are you going to go see DOA? I think it was DOA. And he's like, <laughs> I don't like punk. I like hardcore. And, uh, yeah. I'm like, Oh, okay. And it was, it, it, that for me was like a real, like, Oh, there's a difference. Like, Oh, okay. You know, <laughs> all right. I get it now. I absolutely love stories like that in hindsight, any of that kind of stuff, because it's, I just find it really funny. I don't even know if he meant it to be like, you know, a, I think he was, from what I gather, you're, you, you saying this is he wasn't trying to like, you know, like belittle what you're saying. He was just like, no, it's not my thing. Which yeah. to me, it's it's sort of all a part of the same thing. Yeah. I like when it's like young people making a very firm stance of that, like there's a line in the sand, and one thing is this, and one thing is that, and you like I don't do this thing. I just find that funny, but but, um, but I also do get it. You know what I mean? Like I get what he meant saying that, and you and like hearing you say it in the era, I definitely can see. I I I feel like I knew people like that too. Yeah, absolutely. You know I'm mean? sure like, I was I even don't... like saying something equally as ridiculous at times in my life too. So, you know, no judgment, <laughs> but also at the same time, no, no, like, no. That yeah, was yeah. a huge moment for me too. Yeah, but do you think it was a huge moment because it it event it made you delve deeper and therefore informed what your tastes became? Is that what you mean, or is it it's a huge moment to realize that the that the punk scene is so divided or whatever? I think it was both. I think like it definitely at first showed me that like this is this weird. Oh, they're, they're, they're different. Okay. Now I get it. But then it, you know, ultimately, you know, it made me want to see why they were connected, you know? And, and, and if you look at it, you know, oh, DOA was the titular first hardcore band. Yeah. So they're the one that kind of like, you know, can lay claim to the, the term. At least but so wasn't much. he also saying though, like in that context, if I'm not mistaken, he's saying that, cause what was the, the comment was I'm into I'm not into punk. I'm into hardcore, right? That's yeah. the that's the remark. No. Yeah, yeah. So it was that DOA is punk. I'm into hardcore. That was the yeah. the idea behind it. Yeah. Which is funny because yeah, exactly like the in in historical hindsight, it's sort of backward. Yeah. But yeah. But you know, but as like, you, know, you know, also at that point, who who was he to know, right? Like it's hardcore. Yeah, for sure. And like and that. And... No, exactly. I didn't know of that record then. 100% yeah. did not know of that record. Yeah, nor did and I. And so the era, because I actually had another, con this conversation, like not exact language, <coughs> but I I talked at length with uh, a friend of ours on the weekend and uh, Degelo Abortions and DOA and what was the other one? One of these other sort of like, you know, monumental Canadians came up and we were trying to, we were talking to some of our uh, American pals uh, and we were trying to like contextualize the idea that um, to some of these these people that didn't grow up in this, re like mind you, DOA are from out west, but actually both bands are from out west, I guess technically. But um, your ability to see these groups in the early '90s was fairly easy uh, for someone like you and I, and so, but it was such a different thing than what the original I don't know thing was. I shouldn't say DOA is actually kind of you know never really. You know, as far as like they're they're they do their thing, 
you know, like like their trajectory has never really changed. I, I would say Deglo did, but yeah. Uh, but anyway, my point is, uh, uh, in this era, him identifying DOA as not and and it not being a concern to kind of go see them. Sadly, it, it, at that age of when I was at that age, what you know they represent and how you know what the what the early records were like, even things like that. Whereas you know then you know, that era, you're I don't know you're dealing with things that are more current uh, as a young person that were more interesting or something. Like I didn't put DOA in the in the minor threat category in my head as a young person, whereas it should have been if I had the, yeah, the historical, yeah. you know, uh, wherewithal. <laughs> but uh, I don't know if I don't know if I sum that properly for you. But that's like what a band I remember. Has to go away to get appreciated properly. You know, like you almost like have to have the band stop, and then you can like sit there and look and take it all into to to you know mind and and put it all into proper context and then you can appreciate the band because yeah like doa is minor threat you know they're more important arguably to to you know the grand scheme of music than minor threat is you know like they're like the band that taught black flag how to tour you know they're the titular first hardcore band but like you know they were never and i was the same way i didn't like appreciate them until much later when it was like kind of you know, where now I'm kind of like looking at it going like, oh shit, like they did like, yeah, who's could do like, yeah, like all these bands like, yeah, that was them. And then some like they were there before them and after them. Yeah, agreed. And I think, I think you summarized it perfectly though, where like the, the bet you need to go away to be more properly appreciated. Cause I think that's the, the DOA thing is that they have never, they've always trudged on. And so I think that eventually to people, it becomes and people like myself even guilty of this at times, it becomes like uh, it's it's taken for granted. Mm-hmm. So there isn't like that that historical weight or like being romantic of what it would have been like or, you know, just to, you know, the idea like this fantasy of seeing these like groups that are going to blow your socks off that you have no access to ever seeing, especially in a certain era. Um, yeah, they, they were always accessible. And I think that weirdly enough, uh, that is was a part of at least historically, not historically, but a part of, not allowing me to see them properly initially. And so, yeah, I slept on, you know, that era of DOA big time. And I mean, they were, I mean, I think they were even playing this weekend or last weekend, like in our area, like they never stopped. Like they, like, I can't even imagine how many shows they've played. Like, can you even imagine the number? Like it must be enormous. It must be insane. Yeah. Like they were like, they, they, they've never stopped. Yeah, like it's it is wild, and it is such a. I don't know how much they extensively tour the U.S. still. Like I, I'm guessing they do, but it's Canada. I mean, I it seems like you can see them all, the, and yeah, that's they, kind of insane when I think about what it's like to like function as a band, let alone an independent band. Yeah, you know, and be that active touring is wow. It's wild. They just played uh, Sherbrooke. Like yesterday. That's right. Last night or something. Yeah. yeah. But I think they were here like last weekend. I feel like they, they were, were here during Not Dead Yet. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. yeah it's sort of crazy. But anyway. Get Joey Keithley on the podcast during that. Oh, well, you'll get him. You'll get him. I have faith. I will. One day. One day. Chris, I think we should call it a day for today. Yeah, sure. 
and then we can record more of this next time. But I want to put this episode up. So everyone, I apologize for once again this taking for so long. But I uh, hope you enjoyed this mega mix of footnotes. And uh, anything you want to say, Chris? No, I'm good. Just I guess just uh, I you know sorry that we couldn't do it sooner for uh, anybody who's been uh, you know thirsting for our uh, <laughs> conversations that uh, I don't know people enjoy. So yeah, I wish we I, I wish we could coordinate and hopefully it'll be well, not hopefully I feel it will be I don't know it's more more up to Damien not being away I guess than me but not to throw uh, it all on your shoulders, Dame. But okay, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, with good reason what i'm trying to say is it hasn't been not on our minds like it hasn't been ignored is what yeah, i what i mean absolutely. to say that's that's a good way of putting it no definitely i'm i yeah. miss doing it i miss getting to talk to you buddy and i'm glad we got to do yeah. it and uh we'll be back on track now i'm going away a couple more times but nothing very long and so hopefully we'll be able to figure that all out but uh yeah that's yeah, it yeah, uh, sure. next week we'll talk more about dave christ and all roger murray and and you know a lot everything else <laughs> yep as always <laughs> all right chris anything else you want to add no i'm good how do people get in touch with us uh turn out punk footnotes at gmail.com and with what we just said uh yeah that'll be more active <laughs> when we're in the when we're in the um in the swing of things but yeah anytime you want to contact us we're always looking at stuff and uh, we appreciate it yeah, and send uh, any emails you want to the email address that's found at DamienAbraham.com. Uh, you can also hit up me on various forms of social media, at Left for Damien, and find us on Facebook, Turn Out a Punk on Facebook, run by Tristan Abraham, show producer, and the guy that's really been hustling, trying to make sure that I keep this show on, on track. So thank you very much, Tristan. And uh, thank you very much to... Uh, good people at Youngblood and of course friend of the show Dave Martin and his amazing records that he's put out uh, our outputs out with the uh, manufacturing uh, rec- records uh, recordings because they have put out some incredible records recently they've got like a lot of labels like Captured Tracks is like a little empire yeah yeah it's the yeah I it's yeah Dave's great one of the Daves yep one of the days we've got to have a Dave super show soon one day where we get all the days back for sure. All right, Chris. Uh, and that's it. I guess we'll see you all next week. Thank you everyone for listening. Uh, this week, George from Propagandi's on the show. So check out that episode. 